So Matt Ray, you yes. and I are finally reunited. I think it's been a month, right? Yep. Well, what, yeah. what have you what have you been doing? Give us a summary. <laughs> where where have you traveled? Well, um, I got back from New Zealand uh, two days ago, or one day ago, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. I I went to uh, I went to Port Macquarie on holiday with my family. That's a little resort town north of uh, Sydney, about four hours. Uh, okay. I went to uh, I went to Adelaide and Kangaroo Island uh, on my with my family. Um, that's down in South Australia. For those of you unfamiliar with uh, your Australian geography, that's a uh, Kangaroo yeah, Island, for, the, the third largest for, island in Hawaii. I mean, in two, Australia. For the, two, for the two listeners who don't know Australian geography. Uh, yeah, in. yeah. I think you mean the two co-hosts, but uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, I went to Seattle. Uh, you know, I, I uh, oh, Chef yeah, had yeah, their okay, their okay. annual kickoff, right? Let me let sure. me interstitialize in there. What, what's the taco report? Didn't you didn't you investigate some tacos? This, 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 no, this was pre this was pre taco Twitter thread. Uh, so I went okay, I went okay. to Seattle and I didn't realize that I was supposed to be reporting back on the taco situation. I just assumed it was all gloom and doom, you know, like it is over here in Australia, uh, but. Uh, Apparently, we may have uh, – the, there may be some tacos worth checking out uh, next time I'm in Seattle. Huh. Which... Well, uh, let me ask you this first. So how would you characterize the food of Seattle? Like what's going on there? What's, what's, the, what's the deal? Just a lot uh, of fish? They, definitely a lot of fish. Uh, they, they, have a, they have a big tradition of, of you know, local celebrity chefs, um, you know, kind of like – I guess if you lived in New York, you'd be like, oh, I got to go try such and such's restaurant. You know, they just opened their fifth restaurant and, you know, they're, they, you know, that kind of stuff where, you know, celebrity chefs have like, you know, a couple of different restaurants where they'll have, you know, the, the cheap one, the, the steakhouse one, the, you know, I don't know, the vegan one, um, not probably not a vegan one, but, um, yeah. vegan steakhouse, <laughs> all the Satan you can handle, um, but uh, yeah, so so Seattle's got a, a good you know, and and they've got large immigrant community, which means there's always good food. Uh, so there's lots of uh, variety, you know, a lot of uh, good Asian uh, yeah. cuisines, and uh, yeah, I, I like Seattle's food scene. I just uh, because you know, given their proximity to California, I question their Mexican food scene. Uh, yes. Well, you know, because I think I think as maybe I've alluded to earlier, I do not actually believe that the Mexican food you get in California is I don't, I don't like it. I'm not into it. I want the, I want the Tex-Mex food. We're yes. going to convert this podcast into food that Cote doesn't like. But yeah, just the whole idea. I, I'm still a little upset that the whole idea of a mission burrito is is a thing. Like, I feel like that should have been quarantined in California. We don't need, I, you know, and, and God bless Freebirds over there in College Station. I think they might have been part of the problem. And yeah. had Chipotle and like, it's just, it's just the only reason you should have, let's, let's just call it what it is. The only reason you should have a dysfunctional taco that big is if you're like a Chewy's and they've laid it on a plate and they, they're very self-conscious. They call it the big as your face burrito. Yeah. And you're just going to like layer it in like, you know, death. And cheese sauce and uh, and chili, that's fine. Because it's sort of like, it's like when you go to Boca de Beppo and you're like, this is basically just a delicious joke, right? And that's, I think, really what a mission burrito is. It's just it's just a joke that doesn't know it's a joke. It's like, uh, you know, your, uh, your relatives who, like, watch Fox News. Well, it's just, they don't really know what's going on. 
the, the key is you don't call it a burrito. You call it a wrap, and then you've just oh, accepted oh the God. fact that it's not a burrito. Now you're just now you're just trolling me, right? That's that's the part I've forgotten. Why, is they call that a wrap, and then next thing yes. you know, your wrap is green, and you've mm. got like you've got like ham and turkey on it. It's just things <laughs> <laughs> things sounds terrible. Things, things have gone burrito shaped really quick. You you, oh, you don't want no. that. Well, you know, while we're on this topic, uh, let me let me you know I was I'm here in, uh, in Chicago and uh, there was a place uh, calling itself Zombie Tacos uh, in my hotel. So I had a breakfast taco there, and and they they served a breakfast taco with me. I was being healthy, so I got the egg whites and avocado. It was delicious. Their salsa was pretty good, but they served it to me on a corn tortilla. And before before I extemporaneize on corn tortilla, I would like to ask both of you, as I asked an audience this morning, I was presenting to, what are your thoughts on a corn tortilla for a breakfast taco? Any any thoughts at all? What are your reactions? I think it all depends on uh, the the fillings. I mean, I'm not wholly against it. I mean, obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for flour nine times out of ten. But like, I, I think if you're some kind of pork uh, breakfast taco, if you're venturing out into like the uh, like an artisanal uh, breakfast taco, I I could maybe be convinced that it was a good decision. Yeah. But uh, yeah, obviously, let's, eggs. Let's stick with the classic. It's just yeah. I mean, yeah, just eggs and bacon. I mean, that demands flour. I mean, that's that's there's just yeah. no there's no other decision to be made there. Yeah, if you're going into maybe like Amiga's breakfast taco or, uh-huh. you know, something on the, the greasier end of the spectrum, you know, like just, you know, egg and cheese, uh, maybe you can get away with corn tortillas. They got to be good corn t- tortillas, you know, so. Uh, Boy, you said a mouthful there, so to speak. Well, I, mean, I mean, you know, that, that, that sounds obvious, but like if it's not a really good corn tortilla, it's a bad corn tortilla. Yes, that's right. Also known as a stale chip. Yes. uh... (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, corn tortillas are for cooking as enchiladas. Uh, Or or turned into, you know, proper corn chips or, you know, hard taco shells. If you try to do a soft corn tortilla, you know, they better be really good. Yeah. No, I think I think you summed up my, my position that way in a very kind way. Is, is the corn tortilla's place. A corn tortilla is either one of two things. It's either chips that have not happened yet, or I guess it could be a chalupa, which is basically just a big chip. Sure. What, they, sure. Call, they call it a tostada in the rest of the world, right? I always forget. But yeah. Or or more specifically, corn tortillas are for enchiladas. That's yeah. totally fine. But my issue with the corn tortilla. Uh, in general, as a, as a taco thing, as it falls apart and you lose the yeah, structural exactly. integrity of your taco, yeah, and then, it, it, which means you you get the double wrapped taco, I know, and then it's then like twice as bad if it exactly, <laughs> yeah, and it's just like it's just like you now you have twice the problem, right? Yes. Like, and, and I just feel like you know those those uh, semi trucks that seem to be carrying gravel and like the bottom of them will open up to like spill all the gravel out. I feel like that's mm-hmm. what a corn tortilla is. Except you can't really tell when the bottom is going to spill out, and the next thing you know, you just got you got your eggs everywhere. And, no, the, there so, are some good corn tortillas out there. I mean, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. You know, notably, of, of course, as listeners could be predicting, HEB has oh. a very good corn tortilla. And you know what their secret is? It's it's uh, I don't know if you want to call it. Depending on where you work, you should ask your buddy Goldfarb if it's a hybrid or a multi tortilla. I don't know which one. <laughs> Uh, but it's basically because it's flour and corn, which gives it the uh, the integrity. Mm. And I don't mean that in a moralistic way, but it gives it this, this integrity of a flour tortilla 
with that kind of sweet taste of corn. And that is, yeah. that is a good tortilla right there, but not a corn tortilla. That's, that is if you have not decided you have some sort of regulatory reasons and you can't go full flour, so you've got to stay corn, and you're just kind of moving between those two yes yes i do which, think Cote, we should we should bring it back and at least uh credit our sources here right is it uh because this all got started was it abby fuller of uh amazon fame was she she eating tacos in, in seattle matt ray is that that's what started this uh yeah i jumped on a thread when i saw you know software defined talk and tacos in the same thread i was like <laughs> i gotta get in on this <laughs> so I so i think the the net net is we we believe there are good tacos in seattle and, and you're going to uh you're going to double check this. You're, I guess, I guess you're going to test Abby's theory. Is, is that what's happening here? Uh, well, come, come, uh, Chef Conf in May. Uh, I'll be in Seattle and uh, going to find some tacos and I'll and I'll report back. All right. And so we should we should thank Abby for that. And, and I think she also does some stuff at Amazon and containers. Right? But uh, but really, <laughs> I think at this point we could say her uh, she her her official job title is. Uh, uh, the Seattle owner of uh, software defined taco reviews. That's that's probably. I mean, what... I mean, if you, if you think about it, if you think about it, a tortilla is really a container. Right? Was, that's where I was going to go. Right there. I mean, it's it's a container that you ultimately put into a pod, and that you know you you uh, provision to yeah. yourself. So now, so now now the thing is, you don't you don't want all your developers spending all their time making enchiladas, let alone tamales, right? You're gonna you don't want them building that. You want them to focus on more high value activities. So. Maybe a taco is okay, but you don't want them orchestrating a full sheet of enchiladas. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of food. Yeah. Well, let me, well, to close out the taco topic, uh, I was flying over here. I'm in the Midwest this week, flying home soon, and uh, I flew, flew through Detroit. Uh, if you're in the Sky Team, very popular way to fly to visit uh, a direct between Amsterdam and Detroit. And I found myself late at night hungry. And uh, I don't really know what a, how to pronounce Qdoba, but I ate at a Qdoba. And it felt like, you remember that video of, uh, what's the Knight Rider guy, Hoffman, Hoff, David Hasselhoff. You remember that yep. video of him really drunk, like trying to eat a hamburger on the floor? Like, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't really drunk, but I felt that amount of depravity, because depravity, you go up and they're basically scraping the bottom of the bin. And I, I ate those tacos. And flour tortillas were not so good, but it made me realize that, I mean, it was still tacos. It was still pretty good. And, and yeah. it wasn't that bad, but I would not recommend whatever a Qdoba is. That, that, that's not your pick for this week? <laughs> no, that's, that's my anti-recommendation. But I don't know. What else are you going to do in the uh, McNarma International Airport at like 9.30 at night? Not, not, not much else going on. Well, so, so speaking of hybrid cloud, here's, here's my opening uh, thought exercise. You can tell I'm in an airport here. So sorry about the noise. But I was talking with... Uh, someone I hadn't seen for a long time, one of my friends in, in the software world. And I was, I was positing the theory that, that like when, when we in the industry say hybrid or multi-cloud, uh, I think our position is that there are, there are reasons to run things on-premise versus all in public cloud. But, but I feel like the truth of it is, is like much like a, a corn tortilla is just something that hasn't become a chip yet. It seems like on-premise is like on-premise private cloud is something that hasn't become public cloud yet. And I feel like, I don't know if this is true and I have to be careful, you know, working for the, the people that I do, but I think it would pan out for them that like the, the more honest marketing position I think would be, well, while you're waiting to move this to public cloud, you might have <laughs> private cloud, 
right? But that's not really how we talk about multi-cloud and, and hybrid cloud, right? It's more like, yeah. it's more like, you know, a permanent state of being. And, and just one more, is coda the right word? Like additional thing to say? Like, I think, I think more, I think more of how I would think private cloud or on-premises is how mainframes are now, right? Like you would be um, <laughs> foolish, I guess, to say that mainframes are dying or going away. But it's more just like, you know, they went on a, like a really uh, strict, they got into CrossFit for like 30 years and now they're super fit and there's no more fat to chop away, right? So mainframes right. are at this part where like, it's always going to be at that level and, but it's not going to be more or less. And, yeah. you know, they're, 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 like, they're not picking up the new workloads. Yeah, yeah, like the, the five the five sales reps at IBM that are making their money off of MIPS are going to be set for the rest of their life, right? So it seems like, I mean, I feel like, and again, this is a theory, I feel like maybe when we say hybrid cloud, what we should be meaning is like, this is a, a tortilla that hasn't become a chip yet. But I don't <laughs> not know. Yet, what... not, not yet public cloud. Well, yeah, I think we could go, you know, Matt Ray was uh, in uh, this week's uh, Slack channel discussion. He was... Uh, commenting on his favorite phrase, digital transformation, right? And uh, how much he hates it. And I think, you know, in some ways, multi-cloud, hybrid cloud, I mean, they kind of suffer from the same thing, right? They're sort of trying to generalize these broad ideas and they use these abstract words that sort of like hide the real problem. So I've been thinking about this. I've been working with or kind of helping out uh, answering some questions for, for a very simple request for a customer, right? It's uh, they have a 15,000 SQL Server 2008. Uh, databases right so that's just mm -hmm. like so so if you kind of start there you just say okay like the, and and if we put aside like well why do you have that let's just set that you know it's like there's a reason that, that they all play a role in running their business in some ways and i think when you start with just that specific kind of problem right which is like a digital transformation problem but when you start right there i think the question people you just start to go down the path you go down is like well what should you do and they, i think the answer is when you walk through is, is like it depends. Like as you go through each set of those databases, like some you may just need to migrate to uh, an operating system, you know, whatever, 2012, and leave them on site. Some may be like, oh, this makes perfect sense to put in a container, right, and move them to the cloud. Some you would say, oh, you know what we'll do? We'll just make these virtual machines and we'll stick them in Azure, for example, right? And right, right. Um, that's like, unfortunately, like, you know, there's no, and I think this is to your point, Matt, it's like the phrase digital transformation sort of as a, as a placeholder for like all of that. And then multi-cloud, multi hybrid cloud are like abstract solutions that could kind of help almost like an infinite number of digital transformation problems. But it only really makes sense when you talk about real problems. Yeah, it, it's, it's really just acknowledging that, you know, continuing down the path that you're on of like, continuing to cram stuff into a data center, you know, on virtualization or whatever, uh, probably not the path. And then it's like, well, uh, we were going to call it, you know, technical debt, uh, you know, visiting the technical debt, but instead we'll call it digital transformation. And, you know, the technical debt meaning, well, we don't want to buy another data center. We, you know, we don't want to do a hardware refresh. We want to move this place to a more cost-efficient place. Um, yeah, uh, digital I mean, you got to call it something, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I always, I mean, as, as people who listen to my babble know, I mean, I, I always think of digital transformation as two things. One, it's like, let's do software in actually an agile way, 
like and release it weekly and also just focus on custom written software is like what we're doing right like right. i don't know i don't think like you know making it so people can use their personal phones for work is digital transformation <laughs> yeah, the B- <laughs> or, byod or, is is the base of your digital transformation you got a big yeah, problem. yeah 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 and then and then a little bit to to the point you're making like like i, I mean digital transformation is almost like the other side of like we don't like the way we do things <laughs> which is just like we need to do it in a new way and i think that's largely what most people mean by it uh for the most part but yeah i don't know i feel like well, i feel like uh you know chips it's just chips. <laughs> but i do but going back to your multi-cloud i mean i think that's you know that's the real answer right the answer is you know not getting so caught up like i think in like the precise definition of all that is just kind of looking at that problem and just saying, yes, some of this legacy stuff stays on-prem because it's cheaper and probably the hope is it eventually just goes away. Some of this is lifted and shifted because that's just a cost-effective way to run it. And some of this we actually, you know, probably put in containers and start to migrate to the future because we think it's, you know, it's worth the investment. Um, and all yeah. of that's going to involve the clouds that you kind of mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I, think, I think one theory that, I, I don't know why I keep saying theory, but one thing that I haven't really seen evolve is like, so does like managed hosting go away or is that just like a variation of public cloud stuff? So, and I mentioned that because you could say, well, the type of, I don't know, stuff we have, uh, what, what is it? The type of, um, the type of workloads we need to run, like we can't run in, you know, one of the three types of public clouds, but what we actually want to do is like not run the data centers and run things on its own. So, I don't know. In that sense, maybe it's like, I don't know, that's dangerous because then it gets to outsourcing, which always turns out poorly. But it does seem like you just shouldn't be running your own IP. <laughs> like, like I don't think anyone actually wants to do that. And, and I don't know, it's weird to think that like when we talk about multi-cloud, it's like, yeah, because you want to run your own IT. Yay. But, uh, that, that, that doesn't yeah. seem like what people want. But I think it all just evolves though, right? I think managed hosting, you know, obviously going to be here for a while as, as legacy stuff lives on. And then I think there's just going to be people that, you know, un- you know, right or really or wrongly, like they don't want to manage the, you know what I mean? Like a, managing AWS or managing Azure or managing GCP, right? It's like, that just becomes, I don't know, that just seems like the future of that, right? It's like, I want someone kind of taking care of all this for me, right? Because I don't want to, you yeah. know, I don't even want to deal with that side of it. So, um, which, you know, again, makes it, I, I, so I think it's just like an, ev- I, you know, I hate that, that, that's a very trite phrase, evolution, but like, I think it, it is just an evolution of, of, of outsourcing yeah. in, in some ways. And, it's, and, it's and, progress, progress, they call it. It's progress, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because, because, no, you know, when, when people start going down the path of, of outsourcing, you know, it, it is very much a gradient of, of what that means. I mean, there's a lot of these, you know, big enterprise companies that can't, for whatever reason, they can't hire enough of the right people or, you know, they need to augment their staff to get specialist for, you know, their, their managed hosting stuff. And so it's a fine line between, you know, running, running something for yourself, having a partner on a long-term contract who runs it for you and, you know, still has a badge that, you know, says your company name on it. I mean, you know, I've been working with a bunch of enterprises lately and, you know, you start talking to people and you think you're, they're a company employee, but they're like, oh, no, no, I, you know, I work for, yeah, yeah. you know, IBM, but I just happen to have been on site for nine years. <laughs> yeah, yeah every, every time I see a salesperson who's got a badge, I'm like, 
we need to retain that dude or do that. <laughs> like that is that is that is a good salesperson if they've gotten a badge. They're they're like they're like in deep on, on whatever yeah. side of the uh, the dude or dude spectrum they may be on. Well, you know when you're working on your digital transformation, uh, you're going to be writing code. Now most people I understand they either well no not either they basically just they they have a file and it says like my code dot one underscore file. But that doesn't seem right. I mean, you want to check in your code somewhere and uh, be able to merge it with other people. But, you know, is there is there more than one way to do that? Like, what uh, what might people look at to do that? Well, Kote, that's a, it's an excellent question. You know, I wanted to let you know that this week's sponsor is Plastic SCM. And as you all know by now, Plastic is a full version control stack like Git on steroids. In other words, the operating system of software development. But it also connects with the ops side of DevOps by automating the last mile of software delivery. It basically automates and substitutes the role of the integrator with merge bots. These bots pull branch status, issue trackers, and project management tools for triggers to run merges, builds, and tests. Then shelve them and finally integrate them into the main branch. After this orchestration happens, the status of the complete tool set is updated with the newest version. Plastic SEM was featured this week in Makers, the new Stacks podcast on at-scale app development, deployment, and management. If you're interested on knowing more about semantic merge, trunk-based development, task branches, and orchestrating DevOps from version control, go listen to T.C. Curry's interview with Pablo Santos, CTO and founder of Plastic SEM and version control Buccaneer. So we'll make sure to put a link in the show notes to uh, that great podcast from our friends at the New Stack. And of course, you can find out all kinds of information about Plastic SCM at the following URL. It's www.plasticscm.com slash SDT. Again, that's www.plasticscm.com slash SDT. And of course, when you visit them, make sure to tell them your friends at Software Defined talk sent you and we really appreciate their sponsorship so what else is new <laughs> <laughs> well the other uh, big news this week uh matt ray as you know is uh, something that sort of touches on our world a little bit the uh friends at uh, gimlet i should say friends people at gimlet media were acquired and gimlet media is uh i guess a podcast producer they produce these somewhat famous uh, startup podcasts. If you haven't listened to it, you should go listen to it. But they were bought by Spotify. I think it was for reported $230 million. So I think the, the first thing we should say is uh, uh, Software Defined Talk is for sale. And uh, <laughs> and we will take uh, much, uh, much cheaper than 230. Million. Yeah, we'll t- we, we believe we can agree on a, a, you know, now that the market has been set. I yep, think we can yep. go ahead and uh, agree on a price. But uh, a couple of things, you know, to talk about here. One, you know, it uh, got me thinking a little bit about uh, and we're going to try to com- I'm going to try to bring together three of the things that we talk about a lot here at Software Defined Talk, like maybe podcast, uh, our friends over at uh, Stratechery. In uh, uh, their theory of aggregation theory and then cloud computing. So, you know, if you read all of the talk about uh, what Spotify wants to do by uh, actually buying Giblet Media, it seems to center around this idea that they want to, if you will, become uh, the, the one place to go for all audio, right? And so they want to basically use podcasts to draw people in into Spotify. And this idea, I think, is uh, somewhat related to, you know, Ben Thompson's theory of aggregation, right? So this idea is that like, 
It used to be that you would aggregate supply. So this would be like, you know, go to your local grocery store because they have everything you need. You had to go to the grocery store, right? And so what he says is the world has kind of flipped it around. Aggregation theory kind of says like, well, I'm going to actually get all the customers coming to me. And then you, Mr. Producer of Goods, you have to actually come to me. So this would be an example would be sort of like Netflix, right? It's sort of aggregating all the places for movies. Um, you could think of Amazon as the place to go buy everything online. Uh, Google is the place to search, right? And uh, Facebook is a place for all your social media. And so what I think Gimlet Media ultimately wants to do or why Spotify is doing is to apply that same idea. They want to aggregate all of that. And so this kind of goes back to a long-winded way back around to the thing that we were talking about cloud computing is that is there a way to kind of flip this on its head whereas we have all of these open source projects out there as we've talked about many times a lot of them in the CNCF right but they're all kind of like like podcasts today they're all run independently they all kind of have their own sites they all have to go find their own customers to buy it uh, and slowly but surely Amazon, Azure, Google are, are trying to put them together, but they also often end up competing with them. They don't just bring, for example, the software over, right? As we've seen with Amazon, they actually replace it. So what I was wondering is, uh, and so someone actually threw out DigitalOcean, right? DigitalOcean is maybe right, right. Um, a smaller cloud provider. I don't think they would be, I don't know if they'd be offended if I said that, but you know, they certainly, um, they tend to be more neutral. So like, I was wondering, it's like, would a DigitalOcean um, you know, if you will, would there be a way for them to aggregate lots of demand and offer up some terms to cloud uh, projects to actually have them hosted there where customers can buy them? Like, is this the future of cloud computing? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm going to continue to play the skeptic. It's <laughs> um, it's hard to compete against the big, you know, the, the, the big three or four or whatever you want to call them, um, just because, you know, it would be nice to have the, the the independent cloud choice, like you know, hey, we're going to we're going to be we're gonna we're gonna go to DigitalOcean or you know wh whoever it may be, and you know they're the ones who uh, gives everyone a level playing field and have great revenue sharing model and everything. But the problem is like if your revenue sharing of you know well if you take Amazon plus Microsoft plus Google, I think you're well over 90%, you know, revenue sharing of the less than 10% that's left. Uh, it's not as much revenue as, you know, going into Amazon and, and likely getting lesser terms, but, uh, you know, a, a, a smaller slice of a bigger pie. Right. So you're so, kind of saying, so, so wait, you're, you're, you're suggesting that a digital ocean basically is like, they aggregate their customer interest and like, other people could sell cloud through them. Is yes. That what you're saying? Yeah. So what I'm saying is, so uh, if you're producing some new cloud service, right, you know, like the MongoDB stuff, right, and instead of hosting your own version, right, and saying, hey, come use ours, right, in this case, right, Amazon went out and said, hey, we're just going to basically re-implement it. Like you go cut some deal with DigitalOcean and say, listen, I, I, I want help with customer acquisition. I want to like put all of our stuff here. So think of this as like a music artist. Like I've recorded a new track, right? I want to put my tracks at a place where I'm going to get a, a fair deal, right? And so the idea that could you do this around, um, you know, open source software? Could you give like a place like, hey, come here and let's agree on some revenue split? Because another thing that's, uh, that came out this uh, week right, right. that's sort of like only 
tangentially related, but Apple looks like poised to announce this uh, news aggregation service, right? So their idea right. is that they're going to take like uh, all the you know news outlets, so like say like New York Times, Washington Post, like all of them, and say, hey. We're going to go out and we're going to do a monthly subscription. So we're going to do the aggregation thing, right? We're going to take all of the Apple customers and we're going to make one service available to them where they probably pay 10 bucks a month and they get access to all the newspapers and periodicals that um, sign up for the service. And then they're uh-huh. going to split the revenue. Their proposed split was 50-50, right? Apple keeps half and the, the newspapers or publishers get half. And so now... The publishers have come out and completely balked at that and said, that's, well, no way. That's not, those are not good terms. And that, that seems, I don't know. I mean, probably. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure the publishers are always like, unless you haven't been paying attention to our business, half of zero is still zero. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so you can kind of put that there. But I, I like the idea. So, I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. Maybe that's just I mean, a, uh, how- uh, But I like the idea. I guess the part I do like, because if we go the other way, the App Store, right, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the App Store is successful as someone who's like built an app and like at least thrown it out there. It's like I would have never been able to sell anything without it. So maybe it's just about perspective. But that's why I'm kind of thinking about the the open source kind of side of this is like, is there a way uh, for rather than everybody fighting their own battles, like going through the open core and then hosting their own service? It's like, no, here's a place that is offering fair terms. And that place can start to aggregate the demand so that they can collectively compete with an AWS and Azure and Google. Because to your point, Matt, it's like they have the most of the the share today. So absolutely. You got to go there. And I think yeah. just to bring all this back together, that's what Spotify is trying to do. Like Spotify only has maybe five or 10% of the people listening to podcasts use Spotify, for example, some like made up number like that. So can they get to 50% by like pulling people in over time? You know, we'll see. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think, I think, well, so I, I always think of like this, uh, uh, this cloud model you were saying, what did we used to call it? Like a cloud broker or something like cloud brokers come to me all sorts of things but like the idea is exactly what you're saying it is uh we have all these customers and like you know we can just sell them a side of cloud <laughs> basically like and it always reminds me of um I, I just read this in a book so i don't know if it was actually true but back when sears i think owned Allstate, and their their uh the theory was similar of like we have all this foot traffic in and out of sears and people buy those feet buy insurance. So we should hit them up after they go to the beauty salon and take some Olin Mills pictures. Mm-hmm. Like they should buy some insurance from us. And I don't actually know, like I said, what that, how that business operated, but I don't think it was a huge success. And now Allstate, highly valued pivotal customer doing great work. As they're, <laughs> they're, they're disattached from Sears, uh, which also not, not, not a, in great shape, that company. But I mean, I think, well, one, there's the technological issue, which I think, distracts from the, the theory and the point of like like is latency and data gravity and blah 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 such that like if you're going to run MongoDB you just have to have it natively in one of the three clouds you have I, I don't know the answer to that but I mean that might just be a, a structural problem with it yeah I mean I think to pick up on Cote saying there is you know there may be some structural reasons that cross-selling um, cloud services you know ultimately just may be more complicated all right, Matt. So what we were talking about there before we cut out was just the idea that, you know, we, 
all these different cloud providers are, are trying to potentially aggregate demand. So I think one reason, you know, there is some skepticism whether this could actually work. Maybe cloud technology is too confusing. But like I personally feel like I tend to suffer from subscription fatigue, right? So uh, the idea that you're going to so many different things. So like what do you see in the market? Do you think customers actually suffer from subscription fatigue? Is this a problem that they're dealing with? Uh, I mean, I, I definitely have seen uh... – you know, the the channel sales partners for you know the traditionally they were partners of like you know Microsoft and Oracle and Dell and you know they would sell you some hardware some software that goes on it you know market up a bit or you know have a, a kickback from the vendors and then you know they'd have the one bill that the enterprise pays right and so you know the enterprise would be like well we don't want to deal with 30 vendors we'll deal with you know this big one um, but now it's, you know there a lot of those enterprises are are starting to you know look at well we're going to end up on, you know, Amazon, Microsoft, you know, Google, wherever. Why are we still having, you know, this middleman, you know, taking taking this cut? Uh, do we still need them? And so a lot of those those channel sales folks are uh, they're pivoting a bit to have more like trusted advisor, you know, um, picking up um, some services work, uh, picking up, you know, some some consulting uh, just to like continue to add relevance uh you know because before it was like i don't really know how to buy this emc hardware and now it's like you know i know how to use amazon i can just you know go direct and and you know i've got a smart enough team to handle that so you know i think uh well one you know being in the channel is probably harder than it was before even though i'm sure there are people who are you know making money hand over fist but Long term, I'm not sure how long that lasts. Right. Well, maybe, let's let's uh, how, define what the channel is for people who don't know what. That right. Is. Right. So so if I'm I'm an insurance company, for example, uh, and you know I know I'm going to be buying a bunch of software and hardware, and some cloud and services, and like you know I don't have time for, you know, 20 vendors. Um, so I partner up with somebody, and uh, you know they're. I'm not going to drop names or anything, but I'm going to partner up. I'm going to have a, 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 you know, one or two vendors that I go to and then they will sort out, you know, my annual licensing and, you know, I just go to them when I need something. And so those, that, that company in the middle, you know, that middleman is, is, you know, what uh, is traditionally called channel sales and, you know, having a cloud broker is kind of continuing that, that model. And so I think, um, I haven't really seen a lot of that that works really well. Uh, but, yeah, you know. and, and I, I guess I guess that kind of gets with like my um, my hand wringing about a cloud broker model is 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 it, it's exactly what you're saying is like what are you adding to this that like I can't get on my own? And so like right. if you can if you can have it, I don't know what percentage is. Let's say if you can have it be twenty percent cheaper then that's something, right? Like, right. like if, I, if I buy it through you and it's cheaper than if I went directly to the source, that's something, but I don't think that works in cloud, <laughs> right? And, and like if, if the way, you know, channel people can be the whole spectrum of just like a CDW that just is like a catalog you buy things from. Uh, but, then it, but then you can think of IBM as, a, as a, a channel as well. Like they actually are system integrators and build out the projects and they add a, potentially a lot of value to just like right, parts, right. right so like if you're on that further end of like an si type of thing then if digital ocean as our example like wanted to do that then maybe that would be something like 
like I don't know if there would be a big enough market in it, but what was springing to my head is like there's all these um, software companies that either have like an ASP model to be a SaaS, which is not like a real SaaS and becomes uh, costly as you need to scale it up, or they would like to go from a, a traditional package on-premise thing to running as a SaaS, right? And like, I don't know, maybe the three cloud providers have like, I'm sure they have programs for it, but I don't know if they have actual like expertise and frameworks that makes that easy. So that would be a valuable service to provide is like, we actually have expertise in uh, doing that. Like, didn't OpSource do that? They ran Patrol Express, right? So, I mean, there could be some services you offer where oh, yeah, uh, yeah. that value added on top of it. There, there are definitely there are definitely vendors available on that that you know SI spectrum, um, you know, who who will run a particular package piece of software, and then as the software vendor, you know, you end up you're pitching to them. Like, hey, you want to get, you know, we want to get on your price list so you can offer services of our software to your customers, you know, because ostensibly, uh, you know, an OpSource or, you know, CDW or something has a huge customer list. You know, what I would want to know is like, is that customer list decline? Is the, you know, the number of customers, is it shrinking as Microsoft, Amazon, Google go to, you know, reach out and try to go direct and go around them? And, you know, the smaller SIs, they don't have time for, you know, for, you know, bringing it back to the, the cloud players. Like I can't, I, you know, I, I can rattle off 20 Amazon partners, you know, off the top of my head, and <laughs> yeah, I can, yeah. you know, and, and, and most of them are, you know, they're, if, you know, t- at least 10 of them are also Azure partners. And, you know, and then as I start to go farther and farther away, it's like, well, the only real advantage of being like, you know, the, you know, let's pick on DigitalOcean some more. The being the DigitalOcean partner is like, well, at least you're exclusive. <laughs> yeah, and, and and then and then the other thing. I mean, again, like it's easy to shoot down an idea, but the other thing is, um, I don't I don't think many people realize because it's not really spoken about because they're not supposed to be all enterprisey. But I think the three major cloud providers all have sales engineers who get badges to work at the bigger accounts. Yeah, who are effectively do. who are effectively doing that value added work, right? I mean, their job is like you do you spend however many millions of dollars, uh, probably you know ten. I don't know what the cutoff would be, but you consistently are spending millions of dollars, and so we are going to dedicate uh, delightful, skillful, warm bodies to you uh, to do all this extra value added stuff. Um, and yeah. so, like, which makes it even harder for someone to come in and add uh, that that value stuff on top of it. Um, but I don't know, cloud brokers. I, and then maybe to close out, to go back to the, at least my thoughts on like podcast Spotify stuff is like, I don't know, as someone who's podcasted for a while and bought their most recent uh, recommendation from last episode, my MacBook Air, based on revenue, like if, if Spotify is going to make me more money as a podcaster, I'm into it. <laughs> like, yep. like, like if it, if it sends more money to me, they win. But like, like, like that company they, you know, acquired Anchor. Like I remember looking at them and it was like, I don't understand how I make more money with this, right? right. So it's like, if, if that model is going to mean mean that I make more money or if Apple like decides they're going to figure out a way for me to make more money, I don't fucking care. I go, I'll go to where that is. As long as, <laughs> not, 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 to, uh, not to piss off the listeners, right? As long as I can still keep doing the same thing, right? Like as long as I don't like change the way that I have to go about doing stuff. But if they bring in more revenue... 
Sure. Uh, yeah. Exactly. I, I mean, this you know, podcast, enterprise software, and you know, Apple News. It's all the same model. Like, right. as the provider of of you know the software or uh, the podcast, I'm going to have to try everything. Mm-hmm. Right, because I, I I don't know where my market is, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go you know I'm gonna put my, we're gonna put our podcast on Spotify and Apple and Stitcher, and you know you should all leave reviews on all those places with five stars or you know whatever it may be. <laughs> but yeah, but but you know also as you know a software vendor, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my stuff. I'm gonna have somebody work in the channel. I'm gonna have somebody working direct with the big clouds. I've got enterprise salespeople going direct to customers. I've got partners doing services. I've got my own services team. You know, it's you. You don't have the luxury of right. of picking one model. Well, I think that's yeah. Just I, think, a- I think I think just to add one more thing. Like I think I think we all know that Spotify is basically trying to get our money, <laughs> right? Like like we we we're not, I don't think anyone's under the illusion that when you introduce a middleman, uh, that they're not taking money that you feel like you should have gotten instead. Yeah. Right? Like. And advertising is an interesting instance of this where it's sort of like, how much money do I want to spend on advertising? That's just money I'm giving them instead of money I would have kept. So, you know, it's hard to, I don't know, like being aware of that. You're kind of like, so why am I paying you Spotify for something when I make money already? Like you have to, someone, someone, a, 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 a podcast aggregator. I got confused when I was listening to that trajectory where they're talking about this, maybe because it was, I was trying to avoid dying on the icy roads of middle America. But like, I, I think they were saying they're an aggregator, but it's like, I feel like they would have to pay podcasters so much money that there would be no profit left over for them. Right. But so I, I don't think, really, understand but you know, I, I think one way to just think of it and just before we go into recommendations would just be, you know, Ultimately, what is podcast or in this case, cloud services? What is it going to look like? Is it going to more like music where to get a song today, at least for a long time, you had to go through, you know, basically one of the big, um, you know, record labels, right? That was really the only way to get music made, right? And essentially the labels had control. And then in, take the app store is the opposite thing, right? It's like, well, anyone can build an app, and, and you, but you got to get it into the app store, but it's a lot easier. Like it's an independent kind of thing. So, so if you're building software today and you want to service the enterprise market, let's say, or just, and you know, want to make money on it, you know, like, what do you want it to look like? You're either going to have potentially Google, Azure, and Amazon looking like labels, like to make really real money, you got to be there or, Mm -hmm. or like, does there emerge like this kind of like, if you will, benevolent dictator model, like we're using digital ocean as the placeholder, but it could be anybody, right? Just said like, Hey, put it here and we'll do some revenue split. And they both have like, you know, there's trade-offs, right? And to what everyone's point is, it's like maybe enterprise software. It's like, yeah, it just, it does look, it's, it's inherently like an enterprise business. So it looks more like labels than it does like a, a consumer yeah, business. Yeah. I so, mean, I guess, so I guess we'll another see. historic, another historic analog would be like x86 versus Spark versus whatever, right? Like the, the genericness of the chips and, and therefore the widespreadness of it versus specialized silos. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I, I actually am braving the roads of icy middle America because I met the last, I was at the last spring one tour in the U S that I'll be at. Uh, and, uh, it was down in uh, St. Louis, a lovely city I'd never been to. Now, listen, at, at the known risk of, of, uh, riling up people, that is a city that has some great theories about how to grill meat. They tell me it's barbecue, but I'm not really, I, I think there's a, a very thick wall between grilled meat and barbecue. And I love what they're doing with sugar up there. It's very innovative. It's, it's fascinating work. 
their ribs are actually pretty good. I guess that's why they named them after them. But I ate something called brisket, which I would call warm roast beef, uh, which which was also good. So, as they say, shots fired or something. But uh, <laughs> I, I think there's a few more U.S. locations that we'll have the Spring One Tour at uh, in Atlanta and other places. But just go to springonetour.io and you can see. And I think in a um, Maybe next month I'll be at the London and Amsterdam one, so you should come out to that, and then we'll be various other places. And then also, as another self-promoting thing, I, I've almost done. I think we're almost done with the uh, the revisions to my little booklet or report, as the O'Reilly people call it. So hopefully, while I'm on vacation next week, they uh, they will uh, publish that, and you can finally read the the tome, which has come out to 100 pages. So I feel like you could, that's like it's like a novella. Novella. What's a nonfiction novella? A not uh, uh, a pamphlet, <laughs> an ebook. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a pamphlet or 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 an essay that should have been edited better. Uh, I think it's like oh. what you might call it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, any 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 shameless self promotions y'all want to do? <laughs> hey, just a couple of quick ones. Uh, I just want to like give you some shout outs. We got a bunch of people starred the Overcast uh, uh, episode last week, and they got T-shirts. So I want to thank uh, Cornelius from Round Rock. Craig from Bloomington, Illinois, Matt from Normal, Illinois. I guess that's a real city. I sent it off. So uh, all of those guys, John uh, and Sean from Braintree. So lots of cool places. So I appreciate everyone doing that. We still, ha- we still have stickers, and of course we have stickers, and we have a few T-shirts left. So write us a review, star us in our overcast, email stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I'll hook you up with uh, stickers and a T-shirt. As Tyler Cohen likes to say, to sound non-slimy when he asks for reviews, it helps other people find the podcast. Isn't that so kind? Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, you're well, helping other uh, people. Yeah, you're helping. Uh, also, uh, I should note, I saw the professor at the Chicago event. He came up and we talked for him a little bit. He even had a question after my talk. I put a picture over there. and uh, Maybe we'll use it for the cover art, but I put a picture of him up there uh, in the Slack. So, nice. Brandon, Brandon Witcher, what is your recommendation for this episode? Two. One, I did an interview this week with uh, our friends at uh, Software Engineering Daily. So if you want to like learn about tech podcasts and hear even more about podcasts, talking about podcasts, uh, <laughs> go, go listen to it. It was a good one. And one of the recommendations out of that was this book, uh, Who Was Michael Ovitz? It's about an autobiography about the man and group that started CAA, which is the Creative Arts Agency. And uh, it was fun. It was a fun listen. I don't know if I listened to I liked everything, all his uh, things, but I liked his stories. And uh, just the agent model of Hollywood was an interesting and a little quick footnote. It was interesting to learn about. It was a quick footnote that uh, much of what he did at CAA, the guys at Andrews and Horowitz tried to use when they started a venture capitalist. So if you're looking for something easy, easy listening with some fun stories, check it out. Mm. Matt Ray, your recommendation. Uh, Well, I, I guess to go meta, like that was a good interview. I, I've definitely been enjoying uh, the the software defined interviews. So um, uh, my my recommendation is listen to you know our other podcast. <laughs> but uh, uh, I was just making myself some breakfast before we uh, started the show, and uh, usually I, I have uh, some some muesli with some almonds, and didn't have uh, any almonds left, and I was like, oh, we got some pecans. Pecans are awesome. Wow. Oh, <laughs> I, I rediscovered that in breakfast items recently too. Where, uh, in fact, I was I was at the hotel in Bloomington down there. Yeah. And I ordered some oatmeal and I asked the guy, "Do you have any pecans?" And he like he was like, mm, 
I have some like mixed nuts, and my coworkers yeah. were laughing. They were like, "Oh, you got to ask them to pick the pecans out for you, but, <laughs> and, yeah. and and rinse off the salt." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, no, no. My, my my hierarchy of nuts is you know pecans, uh, and then and then almonds, and then you know uh, yeah. walnuts, and who knows what's after that. I gotta have pecans. We need to start a new Slack channel called uh, "How Words Are Pronounced," and we can this week's discussion can be pecans versus pecans. Oh, and, uh, and 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 then we get the Australians in there who can't pronounce oh, my boy. wife's name. Oh, geez. oh no! All right. Well, uh, so my I have I have two recommendations this week. One, uh, I'm going to test this out some more. But I think when you travel, you should always bring a duffel bag. You can fold it up and like stick it in your backpack. But like, it's just a good overflow thing and. Uh, you can kind of sneak it on as, as a carry-on item. So you can just like, you know, you can have the dream of just like, you just throw all your dirty clothes in it and other excess items. And uh, I don't know. It's and, and if anything, you can just put your backpack in it, right? And then you have extra space around it. So look into duffel bags. And then second, more of a follow-up. So I did start reading that book, uh, Surveillance Capitalism. Oh, yeah. uh, and um yeah, I mean, I think it fits. It's not a business book, but I think it fits. I would recommend the same reading patterns that we recommend for business books, uh, which is it's especially good uh, if you have it on Kindle because you'll find yourself scrolling really quickly. You'd be like, I get the point, right? Like, sure, makes sense. But I think there's good ideas in there. It's just like um, uh, there's a lot of, um, as my mother used to say, perseverating in it, which which is fine. I think I think it's mostly because we're like steeped in this stuff and read about it all day, but. I would hope that uh, if you weren't kind of involved in the, you know, the daily machinations of the tech world, this stuff, I can see that it would actually be helpful to lay it out. Now, as one final note, what I still amazingly haven't read is like why all this privacy invasion is bad. Like there is, I'm about 100 pages into it, and there's not really a solid case laid out about how all this nefarious ad tracking is actually bad for us. Because really, it's, it's just sort of like... Uh, justice that is being deployed of like this is our data and people are taking it without knowing it and then that's kind of the end right and it's like and then and then it's to sell you stuff and but it's sort of like yeah i mean sure to sell you stuff but that's not like a hanging offense right yeah that's not the bad thing i i mean obviously they're gonna have to get into the way your information gets manipulated and 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 used to target yeah yeah. and, and I guess I guess my point being is that I would expect right off the bat for the argument to be made that this thing that's happening is evil, and here is a very clear-cut reason of why it's evil. So I don't know. Maybe it'll evolve. Well, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to find the show notes for this episode, you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 166. You should also go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and uh, join the Slack channel. You, we can talk about how to pronounce uh, pecan and peanut. And with that, <laughs> we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye.